It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Defending the Faith. We're so glad that you joined us on today's program. Now, my name is Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor of Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, our church is down in South Bossier City, and we're a non-denominational congregation. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us, come join us uh, for one of our upcoming services. We have Wednesday night services at 7 o'clock p.m., and then on Sundays, we have two services on the Lord's Day. At 10.45 in the morning, we have our main service, and then we're a little bit old-fashioned. We have church at night. It's a 6 o'clock service, and honestly... It usually is the most powerful one. Uh, But if you don't have a church home, we want to make an invitation to you. We preach the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach that there is hope for every soul and that God's desire is to reconcile you to Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need a church home, come worship the Lord with us at Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, as we get into this program, we pray that this message is a blessing to you. We pray that God would speak to you, that it would be anointed and minister to you. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at kjcword, that's kjcword, at gmail.com. You can email me anytime. And now let's go ahead and get on into the message. God bless you. Amen. In John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, if we're honest, We could probably stop right there because too many of us for far too long have allowed our hearts to be troubled. And and here in this passage, the Lord Jesus is letting us know a way to comfort our hearts. You know, most often whenever our hearts get out of whack, I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about emotionally, spiritually. When our hearts get out of whack, it's because we've lost sight of what's most important. And and Jesus here is saying, let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Everybody say, for me. me. The Lord Jesus here is letting everyone know that He's going somewhere. And He's going isn't it interesting that Jesus was born in Nazareth and he, and he was a carpenter? And then after He died and raised from the dead, He went to go build some more. Amen? Amen? But He wasn't building earthen structures. Now He's building mansions in heaven. And He's building mansions in heaven for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Everybody that's names there has got a house there. Amen? prepared for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, and where is Jesus today? He's in heaven. He said that where I am, 
there you may be also. See, this is just like whenever David's son passed away and he was praying and, and, and just fasting and praying. And then when his son died, he got up, dusted himself off and went to go get something to eat. And they said, hold on. Now you're supposed to cry. Now you're supposed to fast. He said, no, no, no. He said, you know, before that, he was praying that, that God would heal his child. But after that, he said, it's no use. He said, my child can't come to me anymore. But one day I will go where he is. Praise God. Amen. Amen. One day I will go where he is. And that is exactly what the Lord's telling us right here when Jesus comes to get us. When he comes again and he receives us unto himself, he said that where I am, which is in heaven, you may be also. Amen. This is your invitation to your heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, your home, your abode. Look what he says in verse 4. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Now we know from there, that's when Thomas begins to start asking questions. But we know Jesus, he said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the Father is through Jesus. Amen. Nobody's going to go to heaven around Jesus. Amen. Nobody's going to go to heaven through the back door. They've got to go through the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And so what we see in, in, in these first few verses in John chapter 14, it, the Lord Jesus is letting the disciples know that when He leaves, He's not just going to take a vacation, and nothing's going to take Him by surprise. He knows where He's going before He gets there. And the purpose of the Lord Jesus being in heaven today is not to just kick back. His purpose is to prepare a place for us. Amen? So that when you get there, with your name written in the Lamb's book of life, there's a place reserved for you. Amen? And, and the Bible also tells us here that Jesus is going to receive you unto Himself. Now, some of this plays into uh, a Jewish wedding and how a Jewish uh, bridegroom would receive his bride. But, but here, whenever Jesus says He's going to receive you unto Himself, this is the call. Whenever He stops in the clouds in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and the trumpet of the Lord sounds, and the dead in Christ rise, and then we which are alive and remain get caught up, and we are received unto Jesus. And at that time, we are given those white robes that you read about in Revelation chapter 19. And, and we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so this receiving unto Jesus that takes place right here is whenever the consummation of this church age comes to a close. Amen? One of the things that I wanted to point out as I get into this uh, passage, to, just to show you, is so many of us, we live for this life. When Jesus' whole point of this chapter 14 is to let you know that this is not all there is, that Jesus is coming to get you. Amen? Amen. Most people believe Jesus. the only purpose of Jesus is to help you in this life. He has come to help you in this life. But the greater purpose is to receive you to Himself for eternity. To have eternal life. And so here we see uh, this process working out. He says that He's going to receive you unto Himself, that where He is, you may be also. So let me ask you a question. If, if the Lord Jesus says, where I am, you may be also, and that's for eternity, what should we be living for today? The here and now or the ever after? Yeah. 
But why do we live for the here and now? That's what I want to get into tonight. I want to show you tonight why we get off track and we live for the here and now more than we live for the ever after. You see clearly, abundantly clearly, Jesus said He's coming to get you so that you can go where He is. Amen? Amen? And again, in case you missed it earlier, that should be a cold drink of water for a weary soul. That's good news from a far country. And where Jesus is, He's going to bring you there. And so, one of the things that we do is we get caught up in the here and now. So I want to, I want to show you um, a couple of things in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me over there to 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'm going to go through this um, beginning in verse number 11. Let's begin in verse number 11. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they, may, that they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Look back up here in verse 11. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. First off, number one, beloved. When, when Peter's writing to this, he's writing to a church, and he's writing dearly beloved. So he is specifically writing to those who have received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. They are the beloved because they have received God's love. Now we know that God so loved the world that He gave Jesus. Amen? And we know that God commendeth His love in Romans 5.8 in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we know that God loves sinners. We know that God loves the world. God loves the downtrodden, the broken, the drunkard. He loves the wayward soul. He loves them all. And He's given us Jesus to bring us back into fellowship with Himself. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Look, though, dearly beloved. So Peter is admonishing people who not only have been loved by God, but who have received God's love. Do you know there's a big difference in those two things? There's a huge difference in knowing that God loves you and walking in God's love. Knowing that God loves you, you can, just, you can hear it all day long. Somebody can tell you they love you. But once you receive God's love, it changes you. See, whenever Peter writes to the, to the beloved, he is writing to blood-bought Christians. He is writing to those that have been forgiven of their sins. He's writing to those that have been redeemed, bought the precious blood of Christ. Amen. And here you see he's writing specifically to the church. And he says, dearly beloved, I beseech you. This word beseech is parokleos. Some of you Greek scholars in here, you know how close that is to the Holy Spirit. Parakletos. It's the same word. It means to come along beside. He's admonishing you. He says, dearly beloved, this is what you need. This is something that you need in your walk. 
When, when Peter's writing and he says, I beseech you, this is an epistle, this is an admonishing that is going to help you navigate through this world that you're in today. You have battles within and battles without. You have battles within and battles without. And this message that he's about to give you comes along beside you just as the Holy Spirit does. And he helps you navigate triumphantly, victoriously through this world, through all the landmines, through all the troubles, through all the turmoil, through all the tribulation. He says, I beseech you. This is more than a suggestion. This is more than a, a, a suggestion. This is, you know, whenever somebody comes to you for counsel and you don't really know what to tell them and you go, I, I think that you should do this or I don't know, I think you should do that. But when you know they're about to go across the train tracks and the train's coming, you beseech them to stop. Don't go that way. It's going to destroy you. You beseech them. You come along beside them because you care about them. And it's a totally different suggestion it becomes a beseeching please hear this right so the apostle peter he says i beseech you beloved can you hear the holy spirit speaking this to you he says i beseech you beloved what does he say what does he say here as what as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. As strangers and pilgrims, the word here for strangers, sojourner, a sojourner, a pilgrim. We talked about earlier, previously. A pilgrim is somebody who's where they're not supposed to be. One of the commentaries I read, I believe it was John Wesley, he said this represents the two uh, qualities that you should watch out for. You are a sojourner or a stranger in your own body. This body's not your home. Amen. One day you're going to lay this old body down. Amen. Amen? Amen? You're a stranger in your body. The body that you're in now is not the body that you're going to be in for eternity. This body is only temporary. Sometimes it only lasts a couple weeks, sometimes a couple years. Sometimes a body might last 80 years, 90 years, 120 years. But it's going back to the dust. And one day you'll get a new body. Amen? You're a stranger in the body you're in now. This is a temporary body, is what he's saying. And as a pilgrim, you're in a temporary land. This world is not your home. This body is not your home. And this world is not your home. What is eternal? Your heavenly city, which is your destination, and the Spirit of God, which is born again on the inside of you, which you will have forever. So the body we're in is not eternal, it's borrowed. The world we're in is not eternal, it is borrowed. So we should live accordingly as strangers and pilgrims. How does this change how we live? You know that most people, there are two things that they will put above God. Themselves or this life. This world. You can sum it all up in those things. Some people, uh, they, can't, they cannot fathom not putting themselves above God. What do I mean by that? Well, just think about, well, 
I would go to church, but I worked hard yesterday. I would do this, but I, I, I'm kind of tired for that. What are they doing? They're putting this temporary house in front of their eternity. They're putting their temporary house in front of their eternity. Most people will do this. Most people will allow temporary setbacks to change their eternal destiny. Sometimes we don't know why we have a bobo on our bodies. Sometimes we don't know why we have that issue in our bodies. Kind of like the Apostle Paul. He had the thorn in his flesh. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and God wouldn't remove it, right? And sometimes, we, why me? Why me? Everybody else is able to run and do this. Everybody else is able to do that. Guess what? These are temporary houses. Amen. Don't let your condition of your temporary house, let your eyes be taken off of the prize of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a temporary house and we should be looking with eternity in our eyes. One of my favorite preachers, you know, is Leonard Ravenhill. He said he prayed. He prayed that pastors would begin to preach with eternity stamped on their eyeballs. And we would begin to, 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 preach, to preach messages about eternity and not about how to have a better this, that, or the other. It's good to have a good marriage. It's godly to have a good marriage. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is about God becoming a man, laying down His life for you, a rotten sinner, dying for you, and raising from the dead for you. Amen. Dying for our offenses raised for our justification. And so, as strangers and pilgrims, another word for a pilgrim, uh, which is a kind of a hot-button word in our uh, politics, is alien. Alien is another word for pilgrim. An alien is somebody who is somewhere that they do not belong. And we don't believe in UFOs, but if you think about the UFOs, the green guys, they call them aliens. Because why? They don't belong in this earth. Right? Well, here, God's telling you that you're a pilgrim, you're an alien. You don't belong to this earth. You have an eternal abode. You're an alien here. You're like a little green guy here. You're only passing through. There's coming a day when you're going to leave. You're going to go home. This is not our home. What would you think of all these, you know... Again, we don't believe in aliens, but all these little green guys come down and they begin to think that this is their home. We'd be going, guys, this is not your home. We live here. This is not your home. And they get caught up in everything here, forgetting that they're only here for a temporary mission. That's you. If you're born again, you're here temporary. This is not your home. Our home is the celestial city in the sky. In the third heaven. The new Jerusalem. Where you saw this morning, the streets are gold. Crystal clear. Beyond the River Jordan. And, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, we allow the things in our bodies or the things in this life to distract us from our eternal perspective. We allow the things in this life, and look, it's not about dis distracting somebody. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, sometimes I've preached in some pretty crazy places sometimes, and sometimes you get really, you can get distracted by people acting a fool. I'll never forget some of the sermons I preached in prisons. Some pretty crazy distractions in there. But it's not about just this body or this world distracting you. It's not that. 
It's that there is a war against your soul. Most people don't even realize that they're engaged in warfare. Most people don't even realize that they're in the middle of a battle. What would that look like if somebody was in the middle of a battle but they just sat there? Do you know that this is a lot of Christianity? They're engaged in spiritual warfare and don't know it. And that's why they're getting whooped. That's why they live defeated. That's why they're cast down. That's why they're weak. That's why there's no spiritual strength inside them. That's why there's no gumption to do the things that God has called them to do. Because there's a war against your soul. Did he engage in the battle? Your soul. It's who you are. Your soul is connected to your heart. It's who you are, who you dream, who you imagine. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. That's your soul, the soul of a person. The soul of a person. And the enemy rages against your soul, removing your strength. You know, Samson and Delilah. Samson was strong. He was strong, but he allowed Delilah to distract him. But Delilah's intention was not just to get him off course. You see, we stop there. We believe, well, all this stuff is just distracting me. It's not just distracting you. It's removing your spiritual strength. It's killing you on the inside. It's damaging your soul. There's a war against your soul and you're lying there on Delilah's lap. See, the things in the body and the things in the world are warring against your soul. And God's called you and me to engage in the battle. The admonishment that is being beseeched by Peter here says, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain means to withdraw, restrain, withhold yourself from fleshly lusts. You see, these fleshly lusts, they tear you down. And you've got to fight against those things. You've got to abstain from those things. You know the things that tear you down. What's your Delilah? There's something that tries to get you to lay your head in its lap. It could be TV. It could be the old routine. Poor pitiful me. I'm so glad I had a pastor that didn't put up with that. Whenever he was around somebody that did the poor pitiful me routine, he shook them. I remember one time he said somebody was... Doing the poor pitiful me, oh, woe is me, nobody cares about me, nobody this, oh, blah, blah, blah. He went over and literally pulled them out of their bed. He said, you get up, you go to work. You see, sometimes we can allow the things, maybe our body's not functioning the way we want it to. Hello? <laughs> it's not functioning the way I want it to. But sometimes we can allow those things to zap our strength. Why hasn't this changed yet? Why is it like this? Why is it not like that? 
Don't allow it to distract you. Because the distraction is there to kill your spiritual strength. Not just to divert your attention. So many things in life are seeking your attention. You see ads on TV, ads on the internet, ads everywhere. All trying to catch your eye. You can't go down the highway without seeing a 20-foot billboard flashing something, trying to get your attention. But these fleshly lusts are not just trying to get your attention. They're trying to get you to stop fighting and lay your head in its lap. And we can allow all kinds of stuff to mess with us. Turn with me to James chapter 4. It should be one or two pages backwards. James chapter 4. <clears throat> Beginning in verse number 1. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence? Even of your lusts that war in your members. You see where wars and fightings come from? They come from the lusts in the body. In other words, your battles come from your weaknesses. Your battles come from your weaknesses. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. How many of you have ever been in those shoes where it's like the carrots dangled on the stick and you do all that you can do, but you just can't get to it? You aim for it, you fight for it, you push for it. Everything you do, you structure your life to try to get that carrot. But you just never get it. Do you know why you don't ever get it? Because you're aiming for the wrong carrot. The carrot you're supposed to aim for is the new Jerusalem. Amen. You're supposed to aim for your home and your God. That's the carrot you're supposed to aim at. And when we begin to run after carrots in this life, we will become distracted and spiritually weak. And here you see, he says, you lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have. Everything you do never satisfies. How many of you remember what it was like living in the world when nothing in the world satisfied you? Why is it like that for Christians today? You know how many Christians walk around unsatisfied with God? they got to have God plus. God forbid. Why do we have to have God plus anything? We sing songs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough for me. But we live lives contrary to that song. We have to have God plus a new job, God plus a new house, God plus a new body, God plus new eyes, God plus lots of stuff, God plus a spouse, God plus this, God plus a new whatever. Is God not enough? Does God not satisfy our souls? Psalmist says, taste 
and see that God is good. If God doesn't satisfy our soul, it's because we're not tasting God. It's because we're not communing with God. If we get into a place where God's not enough, where we're running after all these kinds of worldly carrots, needing somebody's approval, needing somebody's attention, needing some worldly good or some worldly gain, we're running after the wrong carrot, and it's because we have not truly tasted that God is good. God satisfies the deep longings of every heart and every soul. Every person who's truly Truly abided in Christ has abided in the living Lord. Thank you for joining us today on Defending the Faith. I'm Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor over at Gospel Lighthouse Church. And we want you to know that we would love for you to come visit us. Our address is 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. We're a non-denominational congregation. Listen, we meet on Sundays at 1045 in the morning. And then we also have Sunday night services at 6 p.m. Then you can find us on Wednesdays. We have a Bible study at 7 p.m. But we hope to see you at one of our upcoming services. And we're so thankful that you joined us on the radio today. If you have any questions about the program today or a past episode, you can email me. I'm Pastor Kenny at kjcword at gmail.com. That's kjcword at gmail.com. Until we see you again, may God richly bless you. You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information. And please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith. It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Defending the Faith. We're so glad that you joined us on today's program. Now, my name is Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor of Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, our church is down in South Bossier City, and we're a non-denominational congregation. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us. Come join us uh, for one of our upcoming services. We have Wednesday night services at 7 o'clock p.m., and then on Sundays, we have two services on the Lord's Day. At 1045 in the morning, we have our main service, and then we're a little bit old-fashioned. We have church at night. It's a 6 o'clock service, and honestly... It usually is the most powerful one. Uh, But if you don't have a church home, we want to make an invitation to you. We preach the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach that there is hope for every soul and that God's desire is to reconcile you to Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need a church home, come worship the Lord with us at Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, as we get into this program, we pray that this message is a blessing to you. We pray that God would speak to you, that it would be anointed and minister to you. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at kjcword, that's kjcword, at gmail.com. You can email me anytime. And now let's go ahead and get on into the message. God bless you. You see, sometimes we can allow the things, maybe our body's not functioning the way we want it to. 
Hello? <laughs> it's not functioning the way I want it to. But sometimes we can allow those things to zap our strength. Why hasn't this changed yet? Why is it like this? Why is it not like that? Don't allow it to distract you. Because the distraction is there to kill your spiritual strength. Not just to divert your attention. So many things in life are seeking your attention. You see ads on TV, ads on the internet, ads everywhere. All trying to catch your eye. You can't go down the highway without seeing a 20-foot billboard flashing something, trying to get your attention. But these fleshly lusts are not just trying to get your attention. They're trying to get you to stop fighting and lay your head in its lap. And we can allow all kinds of stuff to mess with us. Turn with me to James chapter 4. It should be one or two pages backwards. James chapter 4. <clears throat> Beginning in verse number 1. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You see where wars and fightings come from? They come from the lusts in the body. In other words, your battles come from your weaknesses. Your battles come from your weaknesses. He says, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. How many of you have ever been in those shoes where it's like the carrots dangled on the stick? And you do all that you can do, but you just can't get to it. You aim for it, you fight for it, you push for it. Everything you do, you structure your life to try to get that carrot. But you just never get it. Do you know why you don't ever get it? Because you're aiming for the wrong carrot. The carrot you're supposed to aim for is the new Jerusalem. You're supposed to aim for your home and your God. That's the carrot you're supposed to aim at. And when we begin to run after carrots in this life, we will become distracted and spiritually weak. And here you see, he says, you lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have. Everything you do never satisfies. How many of you remember what it was like living in the world when nothing in the world satisfied you? Why is it like that for Christians today? You know how many Christians walk around unsatisfied with God? they got to have God plus. God forbid. Why do we have to have God plus anything? Amen. We sing songs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough for me. But we live lives contrary to that song. We have to have God plus a new job, God plus a new house, God plus a new body. 
God plus new eyes. God plus lots of stuff. God plus a spouse. God plus this. God plus a new whatever. Is God not enough? Does God not satisfy our souls? Psalmist says, taste and see that God is good. If God doesn't satisfy our soul, it's because we're not tasting God. It's because we're not communing with God. If we get into a place where God's not enough, where we're running after all these kinds of worldly carrots, needing somebody's approval, needing somebody's attention, needing some worldly good or some worldly gain, we're running after the wrong carrot, and it's because we have not truly tasted that God is good. God satisfies the deep longings of every heart and every soul. And every person who's truly Truly abided in Christ has abided in the living vine. Then you would truly sing that song. More than enough. You're more than enough for me. You're more than enough for me. If everybody in this life turned their back on me, you're more than enough for me. If all my earthen goods were burned up in a day, you're more than enough for me. If all my hopes and dreams were crashed in one instance, you're more than enough for me. Sometimes it'd do us well to reread the book of Job, to re-examine this godly man who still, in spite of losing everything except for a wife he wished he would have lost. <laughs> When he lost it all, he still had more than enough because he had God. He didn't lose his integrity with God. He didn't lose that secret place, that, that connection that he had with God. He had tasted and seen that God was good. And he would not let anything come between him and God. Do you allow things to come between you and God? Have you truly tasted then that God is good? If everybody is gone in a moment, if everything is gone in a moment, can we still say God is enough? God is enough! See, the amazing thing about that is you can't never upsell God. He can never tell you God's better than you think because He is. You can never oversell God. You got to talk to a used car salesman, they can oversell you a car. Look at this fancy button. What does it do? Well, it just does all kinds of crazy stuff. Then you get it and it don't do nothing. <laughs> you know? They can oversell stuff. But you can't oversell God. He's God. And the Bible says, taste and see that He is good. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. Some of you don't even ask. And then in verse 3, <laughs> he says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. Lord, help me win the lottery. I'm buying another scratch-off ticket, Lord, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Can't pay my Swepco, but I'm buying... 
It says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. Why? That you may consume it upon your lusts. Now James begins to call us some pleasant names. <laughs> he says you adulterers and adulteresses. He kind of throws down the boom. He lets you know this is spiritual adultery. This is what we're talking about tonight. If you're not a pilgrim and a stranger, you're committing spiritual adultery on God. And all throughout the Old Testament, you look in the prophets of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Obadiah, Hosea. Look at all these prophets of God, and all of them are talking about the spiritual adultery of Israel. We're cheating on God. They were filling themselves up with the world, with the, with the, way, with the ways of the world. With worldliness. How much far off is the church? How much far off is the church? When we got to have all kinds of stuff in our, our church services. We got to have coffee shops. Bookstores. And we got to sing rock songs. Why? Because people ain't right. And I'm from Texas, I can say it like that. Because people ain't right. They ain't right with God. They're in spiritual adultery. That's the only reason why God's not enough. If God's not enough for us, it's because we're in, we are in spiritual adultery. And that is exactly what James says here. He parallels what all the major and minor prophets of God lined up charges against Israel and said. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Now I'll let you define friendship with the world the way the Holy Spirit defines it for you. There's no, no sense in getting all legalistic in it. You know what friendship of the world means to you. You know where you're weak at. You know where your struggle is. You know what takes you away from God. And if it takes you away from God, it's adultery. You see, we are the bride of Christ. What kind of bride are we? Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the what? Enemy of God. How would you like it to be said of you that you were the enemy of God? Well, I, 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 it's not that I hate God. I mean, I'm a member of such and such church. My family's been there all my life. It's not that I hate God. I'm not a horrible person. I mean, I, I'm, I know I've done wrong, but I've never, you know, I've never done that kind of wrong. Friendship with the world. 
A friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's a serious charge. And when the, when, when the Lord is talking here about a friend of the world, He's talking about someone who hungers and thirsts after the world. Someone who longs for worldly gain and worldly good could be in another person. I know people that they, they are, you know, if somebody on the opposite sex likes them, then they are on cloud nine, they are gung-ho, everything's great, God is good, but the minute that person never calls them back, they are down in the dirt, nobody likes me, nobody loves me, where is God? God's still there. God hasn't changed, you changed. God don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the one that changes. Not God. God's still there. The problem is, you got your eyes on the wrong carrot. You're pursuing the wrong thing. you got your hopes in folks and not in God. You put your hopes in folks, they're going to let you down. I don't care how much you love them. They're going to let you down. They're human. God's not going to let you down. God's not human. He's not a man that he should lie. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You don't need me to define for you what enemy means. It means you're not on good terms with God. And say it like that, you're not on his good side. And that's not a good place to be if you're not on his good side. See, when, you, when your affections are aimed at earthly things, you're showing that your true treasure is here on earth. You remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. In heaven. Where they can't be corrupted or stolen by thieves. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's where our hearts should be. Somebody was saying, that's where our hearts should be. But so many folks, their here and now is what they live for and long for. The here and now is just a get-through. If you're not living as a stranger and a pilgrim in this life, you are setting yourself up for heartbreak and failure. If you do not live as a pilgrim in this land and as a stranger in your body, you will get disappointed and disillusioned. The carrot will be yanked away and you'll get mad and upset. But if you live as a stranger and a pilgrim, your eyes are on your home and your God. You see, it's amazing. how we begin to go after and seek after things in this world. This world is not our home. Heaven is your home. Seek that. Heaven is your home. Seek that. God is your portion. Seek Him. Seek heaven. Seek God. You won't have to worry about being a friend of the world and be beginning to, to be like Samson and laying your head on Delilah's lap and watching your spiritual strength just evaporate in midair. 
Some of you at one time or another felt like you were a spiritual giant. God hadn't changed. If anything's changed, it's one of us. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you want to get back to where you know you should be, repent. I know I said that word I shouldn't say. It's 2018. Here we are in church in 2018, and I done dropped that word I'm not supposed to say. You need to repent. You need to forsake. You need to turn away. You need to fall in love with God again. That's what you need to do. You need to fall in love with God. Stop falling in love with folks. Fall in love with God. Stop falling in love with cars or houses or 401ks. Fall in love with God again. Let me take you over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. See, there's, there's three things. There are three things that this lust of the flesh that wars against your soul, there are three categorical things that will happen to you when you are being warred against. Your mind will become defiled. You will become a stinker thinker. How many of you know what it's like to have your mind defiled and to have stinking thinking? Whether you think bad thoughts of, of people or you think bad thoughts to people, strike them with lightning, God. You either think bad thoughts about them or bad thoughts towards them. Or God forbid, your mind is defiled to the point where you lose hope in God. Where you stop hoping and trusting and believing. See, our, our, when, our, when, our, when our soul is being warred against, our minds will become defiled by the things of this life. That's why you've got to fight back. Mind will become defiled. Your heart can grow hardened. You can grow cold-hearted real quick when you got your eyes on the wrong thing. When you lose sight of your home and you lose sight of your God and you begin to live for the things of this life, they will let you down and your heart will become hardened. And the other thing is your strength will wither. So you'll have no strength, you'll have a hard heart and a defiled mind. All because the things of this life are warring against your soul and you're not fighting back. You see, the, 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 the answer to this war against the lust of the flesh is found in Galatians 5, verse 16 and verse 17. There's a thing 
that God has given the believer. It's called a new spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that you are a new creature created in Christ Jesus. In other places, we're told to walk in our new man. Live in our new man. In other words, some folks have been born again, but they don't live like it. And it's not God's fault if they don't. It's not God's fault if we don't live in faith and walk by faith. It's not God's fault if we're walking by sight and not by faith. Don't blame God because you're not living victorious. Don't blame God. Seeing people blame God for all kinds of stuff. It's not God's fault. Because your eyes are on the wrong thing. Keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on God. And watch this. This I say then, walk, everybody say walk. Walk, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You remember what warred against your soul in Peter? Lust of the flesh. And the only way to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the only way to keep yourself right is to walk in the Spirit. That's the only way. You don't need to buy somebody's book. You don't need to watch somebody's DVD. You don't need to go through a 12-step program. You need to walk in the Spirit. That's what you need to do. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Can you see clearly? If you're not walking in the Spirit, you are lying your head on Delilah's lap, so that you get to the point where you cannot do the things that you would. Your spiritual strength will become zapped. Your heart will become hardened and your mind defiled, because you're not walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is, is walking in the power of God. Walking in your new nature, not in your old nature. Now, I'm going to close in Ephesians. Just one, one book over. Go to Ephesians chapter number 6. We'll close with verse... 10 and 11. And I admonish you to read the conclusion of this chapter tonight or tomorrow. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, again, this is a message to believers. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You don't have to be strong in your own self. God's not looking for your spiritual strength. He's looking to see if you'll depend on Him for spiritual strength. In fact, the more you try to fight, the worse off it gets. God's looking to see if you'll stand in His strength, not yours. In our weakness, His strength is made perfect. 
In other words, as you depend on God, you'll get stronger. As you depend on God, you'll get stronger. As you depend on God, you'll get stronger. The more you depend on God, the stronger you will get. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His mind. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You cannot do it if you're not being strong in the Lord and not putting on the armor of God. It is impossible to stand against all that is warring against your soul if you will not engage in the battle in God's strength and in God's armor. You have to do it with dependence on God and not on yourself. I told you earlier, if you put your hope in another person, they will let you down. Now let me tell you, if you put your hope in you, you will let you down. You will let you down. But if your hope is in God, God won't let you down. Be strong in the Lord, church. Things are warring against your soul. Things are warring against your mind. Things are warring against you as I speak. Things will be warring against you on your way home. Things will be warring against you tonight. And when you wake up in the morning, you will have a battle on your hands. Be strong in the Lord. You cannot win that battle with your flesh. You can't outsmart the enemy. Surrender to God. Let God be your strength and let God fight your battles. Put on the whole armor of God. And watch God fight your battles. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on Defending the Faith. I'm Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor over at Gospel Lighthouse Church. And we want you to know that we would love for you to come visit us. Our address is 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. We're a non-denominational congregation. Listen, we meet on Sundays at 1045 in the morning. And then we also have Sunday night services at 6 p.m. Then you can find us on Wednesdays. We have a Bible study at 7 p.m. But we hope to see you at one of our upcoming services. And we're so thankful that you joined us on the radio today. If you have any questions about the program today or a past episode, you can email me. I'm Pastor Kenny at kjcword at gmail.com. That's kjcword at gmail.com. Until we see you again, may God richly bless you. You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information. And please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith.